Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Poznanski, and um, we are trying something a little bit different today. Uh, a little special podcast for you. Uh, Wednesday, September 29th in Kansas City, Bill James and I had a little conversation uh, for Rainy Day Books and at, at the Unity Temple on the Plaza uh, about my book, The Baseball 100, which is out. I hope uh, I hope some of you uh, have gotten it. Uh, the Response has been extraordinary. I'm kind of blown away by it all. This was a really cool event. Uh, Bill and I just talked baseball for an hour and 10 minutes, which uh, you'll get to hear uh, in a moment. Uh, But before we get to that, I do want to mention something. No idea what it'll mean to you. But uh, Mike Shore and I are going to try something really different uh, in the coming week. On October 9th, Mike and I are going to be in Cooperstown uh, doing a live podcast. Well, it's not going to be live. You won't hear it live. But we'll be doing it in front of an actual studio audience there at uh, the Grandstand Theater in at the Hall of Fame. So uh, I believe it's, it's going to be free for all people who uh, come to the Hall of Fame. I don't know any – I don't know you. I wish I knew you better, frankly. But if you happen to be – Anywhere near Cooperstown and would love to come out. Uh, the event's going to be 1.30. Uh, you should probably come out anyway just to come see the Hall of Fame because it's extraordinary and wonderful. I'll be doing a book event a little earlier that day, and then Mike and I will be doing our podcast uh, there in Cooperstown. So uh, for more information, I think they're going to put some stuff up on the Cooperstown website, the Hall of Fame website. I think we'll do something on Twitter to mention it, but I didn't want to tell you. And now uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bill James that we did for Rainy Day Books uh, there at the Unity Temple on the Plaza in Kansas City. Evening. So great to see all of you all tonight. Thank you so much for coming. I'm Vivian Jennings, the president of Rainy Day Books. We're happy to be back here at Unity Temple tonight. The last event that we had that was live was March 10th of last year. So that's the last one. So we're really thrilled to be able to do this tonight. I have one little announcement to make. Carol Anderson, will you come and see me in the lobby at the end? I just need to fix something on your book. So that's why I was asking if you were here. So we'll do it. Anyway, without further ado, I know you're here for somebody else besides me, two guys actually. So let's give a big hand to Bill James and Joe Poznanski. Thank you. Thank you all so much for coming out here tonight. Thank you for this opportunity. I mean, it's been 19 months since uh, Rainy Day has had an event. It's, uh, it's exciting to be the first and, and hopefully the first of many. Super honored to be here with my friend Bill James. Uh, I don't think he needs any introduction, so I'm not going to give him one. Um, but thank you all so much for coming out here tonight. We, we by the way, just, you know, we're, since we're distanced, we're allowed to take off our masks, and we've been told to remind you, please, to keep your mask on and keep social distanced and uh, all of that. Um, 
Bill, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joseph. <laughs> you're very, you're the, very uh, welcome. Um, is it an irony or a coincidence that it's also been 19 months since it rained? <laughs> it's about the same. It's about the same. All right, so we're gonna. You're here. Look at this. This my book, the Baseball 100. Um, we're gonna talk about this book, and I'm talking about this with the with the person who uh, inspired me more than anybody else. Um, Bill has done a few top 100 lists himself through the years, and uh, mine mine doesn't live up to his, but uh, but mine is newer. So. <laughs> so, Bill, I, you know what? I, I just want to start off. We're going to talk specifically about um, some of the players in this baseball 100. We're going to we're going to open it up to some questions a little bit later on. Um, but I, I would ask you to, to sort of begin because you really, I mean, there have been through the years many people that have done top hundred lists, right? Saber did one, and the Sporting News did one, and and various players. Maury Allen is a famous baseball writer who did one, but you, particularly in the baseball abstract, the first one, and then again in the second one, where you counted down the 100 greatest players at every single position, um, seemed to have been fascinated by lists. Why, what, what was it that, that pushed you to, to do these kinds of lists? Well, our, our mutual friend, uh, Michael McCambridge, says he thinks that men have a list-making gene, uh, and I, I think many of us do. The uh, um, my wife likes every kind of beer there is, but I was having ballpark, I was playing a, a tabletop baseball game with a friend last night, and a man, and, he, and he's the same way, but he makes a list of every beer, and he has, he has a list of his 800 top famous favorite beers. The, um, so I, I mentioned that to my wife, and she looked at me like that was the stupidest goddamn thing anybody <laughs> ever done. The, uh, uh, in the, in the 1970s, Maury Allen and, and Donald Honig did almost simultaneously books about the top 100 baseball players, but they weren't serious about it. They, uh, they included Herb Score, and uh, so one of them included Mark Belanger on the theory that uh, you need to make a spot in here for the defensive wonders, and you know they they just it was just whims and 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 70-word uh, essays. The uh, the transition has been to getting people who are actually serious about it, people <laughs> who are willing to work through the problem to to get a uh, a logical an answer that's not so easy to attack. Yeah, I mean, I think you know. By the way, this book, I, I, so I assume most of you have gotten it already. You know, uh, there are not seventy-word essays <laughs> in here. The the book is, uh, by the way, useful on many levels. If you need to change a light bulb, it's an excellent stepladder. Uh, keep lawn furniture down during wind storms, perfect. Um, it's a big book and it's with, with deep essays. Um, but you, the thing that, that for me was, was exciting about this was I wanted to find the 100 players that I think are the greatest 100 players ever, but also the players that I think tell the story of baseball. Like that was for me, that was what my goal was, was to, was to, to rank the 100 players but also have them tell the story of fathers and sons and, and, and integration and, and all of the things that, that I think make baseball and have made baseball great, great defense, great offense, great, you know, all of those things. But your mind, and, and this is what I've sort of pulled from it, um, 
your mind is, is much more, I think, certainly the, the people before you, curious about, well, who are really the 100 greatest players ever? And, and I say that because, and I, I'd love for you to tell the story of why you started actually thinking about ranking the 100 greatest players by position because it actually is a Kansas City guy that, uh, that, that inspired that idea, right? Probably is, but I've forgotten who he was. So, so I came up with a story that you don't even remember. That's right. I don't remember that one. I thought you were watching a game with a friend. Is this right? I mean, that, is, that is correct. Right. Yeah. You were watching a game with a friend, a Royals game with a friend. I, I think I've got it. And, and I, I said to my friend, I think, uh, I think it was Mike McFarland. It was that? Mike McFarland, yes. Uh, the, um, you win the Bill James trivia contest. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather finish third in that contest. <laughs> the, um, uh, and Mike McFarland had a pretty good career, and I, I said, uh, I bet he's one of the 100 best catchers ever uh, in the history of baseball, which you think about it, it's a you know, pretty good accomplishment considering how many catchers there have been. And my friend said, ah, I could name 100 better catchers than that off the top of my head. So he got, as I said, go, let's do it. The, um, uh, and he got to about 20, and then he started to, started, well, is Ed Bailey better than Mike McFarland? Or was, was Smokey Burgess with his defense? Would he be ahead of the, uh, and uh, so I, when I finally got around to doing the list, which was a few years after that, uh, I think Mike was uh, 70th or something. He, yeah, was, he, like wasn't, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't close to being out of the top 100. Yeah. Which I think is, but I mean, it was a curiosity, and you really built it off of a formula, um, or off of a statistical, the, you had come up with a way to, right. that you felt to rank players. Uh, that's right, and, but that was, a, but I made, a, a lot of it wasn't right. I mean, we know a lot now that we did, that was 20 years ago, the last time I did it. Right. And we know a lot now that we didn't know, in terms of just pure research and pure knowledge. And we also have developed better ways of processing some of that knowledge. You know, but a lot of people probably don't, that I'm not a big fan of war, right? The wins above replacement. The, um, not a big fan, I think, it's, I think it's an impossible concept, and I think it was a mistake to go in that direction in a lot of ways, but that doesn't mean you can ignore it. You know, you can, you can it, it, if, uh, if, two, if one, one player is, 20 war above another, you have to have some respect for that when you're ranking players, even though you don't entirely buy into the concept. Yeah. When I started this book, um, I uh, developed a form, I didn't develop it, my friend Tom Tango developed a formula based on the criteria that I wanted in my list. Uh -huh. So so it was, you know, and, and for, for those of you who don't know, wins above replacement is, it, it's, it's wildly misused and, and, and Bill is, you know, absolutely right about so many of its problems, but Tom invented it. Tom Tango invented the concept of wins above replacement and his idea was, which I think is really interesting, not just in baseball but in everything, is that we all have our own personal way of, of we can all have to do our own personal war. We can all do our own personal wins above replacement depending on what you value. So if you value home runs, but don't care about defense, then you would give home runs a very high value and you would give defense a very low value. You wouldn't care about defense. 
Um, if you think defense is the most important thing, you would give defense a very high value and you would give uh, offense a lower value or whatever the case may be. And, you know, one of the problems with war is the what they do to value things, what, how they use defense and some of the other things that we, you know, can talk about if you want to. But what I wanted to do with this is I had a very specific idea in mind. And that was, the, it, it really is two parts. One, I wanted well-rounded players on my list. I wanted players who could do everything. And there, that does, that's not to say that, that all 100 are well-rounded. Some players were so good at one particular thing that they're on this list anyway. But I wanted the, the formula to gear toward well-rounded players because I think well-rounded players are underrated. In, and this I get this from Bill. Generally, people who do everything well are underrated. People who do one thing or two things particularly well can be overrated. So that was one of my ideas. And the other idea that I had is actually one that I want to talk to you about, Bill, just as a general concept. And this is very general, so there are exceptions. In football, we all sort of accept that the best players ever are playing now. They're the biggest, they're the strongest, they're the fastest. Not to say that, that you can't include great players of 50 years ago. You can. John Unitas is a is, is legend forever. Jim Brown's a legend forever and so on. But in general, we, we believe that these guys are way bigger and way stronger and way faster. They have to be better. In basketball, we know that the players now are way better than they were 50, 60 years ago. I mean, it's you can just watch film of guys 50, 60 years ago who can't dribble with their left hand. So, you know, they just dribble in circles. They just kind of bounce around. In baseball, it's the exact opposite. It's like the opposite of recency bias. In baseball, when you look at these kinds of lists in general, they're all players who played 50 years ago, 75 years ago, 100 years ago, more than 100 years ago. Almost all of them. And current players, for the most part, or recent players, for the most part, tend to get overlooked in those lists. Um, I mean, you can look at, at you know any of these Sporting News, ESPN, Maury Allen, whatever the case may be, and it's, you look at the top 20 and it's all Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and Walter Johnson and Jimmy Fox and, and Lou Gehrig and, and Hank Greenberg and, and Onus Wagner and Rogers Hornsby and all those guys played, you know, 100 years ago, 75 to 100 years ago. And that's not to knock any of their greatness. It's just that baseball, I think, tends to uh, romanticize the past in a way that other sports don't. A am I right? Is that true, you think? Uh, the, uh, yeah. I I'm sure it is, but there's something going on there besides romanticization. The players of the 1900 to 1920 era dominated their game to a greater extent than the players of the 1920 to 1940 era who dominated their game to a greater extent than the players of the 50s who dominated their game to a great, you probably get where I'm going with this. The, uh, uh, and there is that, uh, this, the statistical record of baseball preserves an image of a player's skills in a way that's difficult to do in, well, in, in football, we're just kind of starting to work on that. Uh, and in basketball, we started, do, well, when I, when I was in college, basketball didn't count assist, right? Uh, the, uh, so the record is not as long and as complete, and it doesn't create a full image of a player's skills. Um, and uh, if you don't have, if you're 
if you're influenced by what the statistics tell you, that where the statistics tell you they should rank, uh, then uh, you, you have to, then if you're going to trust that, then you have to have some way to answer the question, how much better has the game itself gotten over the years so that the index of domination flattens out? And nobody really has a convincing answer to that question. Perhaps I will in my next book. The, uh, but uh, nobody really has a convincing answer to the question. It's very much like the, the problem of, of, the, of the Negro League baseball, that Joe wearing a Monarchs jersey. But the, uh, since the records of uh, the Negro League games were not as widely publicized, were not as, as well recorded, they just disappeared. And people would not believe that Oscar Charleston was greater than Ty Cobb or as great as Ty Cobb because where's the numbers that prove it? Uh, it's, the same, it's the same issue. In baseball, more than in the other sports, you have to have some kind of numbers that prove how great you are or it don't count. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, you, there, there are a couple of different ways you can do it. You can create uh, an index that, that, that describes, you know, and really focuses on how much the game has improved through the years. Or you can just make it up and write a book. I mean, basically, you don't. You know, there, there are no real rules um, about these things. So, I do have Oscar Charleston. I, I, you know, on my in my hundred, I have um, several Negro Leagues players on my list. Uh, I have a Japanese player on my list. Uh, I have Oscar Charleston at number five on my list, which is uh, uh, pretty high. Uh, and and yet I feel like probably could be higher even I mean we just don't know right I think he was I think he was I believe he was third on my list in the in the uh, historical abstract I believe I think that's right yeah, yeah. I mean so you know and, and so th when you're when you're putting together a list like this a, a lot of it is you know you want it to be a t this is how I view it and and I think Bill would view it a little bit differently you want it to be as scientific as you can but for me there was it's 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 a lot more about art and and trying to trying to figure out where these people belong. And you you want to be scientific, but you want to be right. And and if the if the available knowledge leads you to a conclusion that you don't believe, right, you have to have the courage to say, I know better than that. Well, uh, I have that courage. Yeah. No, I I totally have no problem at all saying I know better than that. <laughs> So, so this has been great. So the book is out. Uh, it came out yesterday. It's, uh, it's uh, sold uh, a lot of copies. It sold a lot of copies at Rainy Day Books. You might have heard that I spent all weekend and the last couple of days uh, signing and uh, inscribing books because I said, oh, you know, what would be a good idea is if you pre-order this book, um, I'll, I'll write anything you want in the book. Really smart on my part. And so I had people, you know, write, you know, ask me to do all kinds of different things with the book. Like I had one guy say, uh, you, I needed to write, uh, I'm sorry, I bet on baseball in the book. I had to do that. <laughs> I had one guy who had me write the greatest, the greatest movie with bats in a cornfield is Casino. Like I just literally... <laughs> Had me do that. And then I had a lot of people like go, you know, I had to write like Derek Jeter is the greatest human being who ever lived and, and I'm sorry I ever said anything bad about him, things like that. But then I had people also write, have me write long, passionate things to 
other people in their voice, which was very, like I would literally have to write, Dad, <laughs> when I was nine years old, you started to teach me this game. And I did, and they were long. A lot of these were really long, and so I started to get to know people. Um, which is really, really I'm, fun. I'm really sorry about that thing I made you write for Susie. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for doing that, son. Um, but yeah, no, but, I, but I did this. But in doing this, I, I also got a lot of people who, who had complaints, okay? So I would have to write, I'm sorry I ranked Ishiro Suzuki 100, right? Like something like that. Like they would, they would have complaints. And, and there, there were several pretty persistent complaints. One of the complaints is, and I, I, I'm going to share this with all of you, the rankings are not necessarily computer generated, okay? Because there are several players on this, in this book, more than several as you'll find, who are not ranked so much as they are having, they're connected to a number. Okay, so I had this idea in my mind, like, well, you know what, you don't, nobody's going to care if Tom Seaver is 25, 29, 31, 37, 41, whatever, nobody's going to care. So, I'll make him 41, because that was his number, and that's Tom Seaver's number, so Tom Seaver's 41. There are a lot of these in the book, a lot of these in the book. And one of them in the book was the one that I had to think the hardest about, because most of them I literally had to just move them one or two or three slots at the most to, to, to do this. But one of them I had to move a lot of slots to do it, because I felt, I felt passionately that this person should be ranked at this number. I felt like this is this person's number, whenever I see this number, I think of this person, so I'm going to rank this person at this number, okay? Is so this I, why Ted Williams ranked 406th? I, I, <laughs> putting Babe Ruth at 714 was really a difficult thing for me to do. No, I put Joe DiMaggio at 56. Now, Joe DiMaggio is better than 56. He would have been ranked higher. I don't know how much higher, but he would have ranked higher. But I wanted him at 56 because of the 56-game hitting streak. And I felt like that was the one that I did that I had to move the guy the most, but the one that I did that would be most obvious to people, right? right? Like, like, like there, are, there are ones in here that I ranked by a, a number because I had this idea that I thought was brilliant and nobody's gonna get it. Nobody, literally nobody will get it. Uh, but I liked it, you know, I'm like, oh, I got it, so I, I did this. Um, but 56 is Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio, 56 game hitting streak, it's like the most famous thing in baseball. It's one of the most famous things in baseball. And I was wrong, people don't get it, I, people are not, and, and they're very angry at me, very. And I've had some people say, I'm not buying your book, because anybody that would rank Joe DiMaggio 56 doesn't know what he's talking about, I'm not buying your book. And I get it, and, and that's fine. Um, but I'm glad I did it, I don't care. I, oh, I just think sure. I think I was right. Yeah, thank you, yes. I promise you, Joe, if those people weren't angry about that, they'd be angry about something else. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But, but when you're ranking, I mean, you, you, you also, you, I think you probably go more by 
you know, you, you come up with the, the, the rankings, but you also feel like moving players, not necessarily for reasons like that, but like there are certain players that you think, oh, you know what, I, I don't trust my system enough to, right. to, to feel like, oh, I think they're better than that, or I don't think they're quite as good as that. I'd go further than that. You, you, no one should trust their system as, that much. And the reason for that is that we all know more than is in that dry statistical record. I mean, any good base, every one of you, uh, except that guy up there, the, uh, <laughs> every one of you knows more about baseball than just what is in the encyclopedia or, and can be processed into a ranking. And it's not smart or accurate or honest to throw away all of the other things you know just because you weren't able to figure out how to get them into the formula. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I did one thing that I, I will share with you because you might miss it. Um, so Mike Schmidt is number 20 on this list. Mike, Mike Schmidt, the great third baseman for the Phillies, is number 20 on this list. But Frank Robinson is also number 20 on this list. Uh, both of them wore 20, uh, and they both were, were great 20s. So there are two 20s in this book, but there's no 19 in this book. And that is for Shoeless Joe Jackson, ah. uh, the 1919 Black Sox. So there you go. See, lots of thought. See, look at, look, at, look at the effort that I put for you. It was just for you, all of you, uh, to do that. But I thought that was fun. I loved, I mean, you know, you often get sort of, in my view, mischaracterized as a statistician. I mean, you're a writer, and, and, but you love to break things. I mean, do you enjoy, I think playing with numbers is really fun, I think. The, uh, I wish I had the confidence that you were, I think, born with as a writer. Uh, and I, I mean that sincerely. The, uh, uh, and I, w I have always, I, it's nice of you to say that I'm a writer, but I have always felt that I had to be able to prove or argue convincingly that what I said was true or relevant, um, or I couldn't write it. And that, that hooks me to the data in a way that you are a little bit more free uh, <coughs> because... So I'm more free to be wrong. Well, I'm sure. I'm more willing to be wrong in public is what you're saying. Everybody is, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, think that's, I think that's probably true. I, I'm, you know, to do something like this, to, to, to rank the 100 greatest players in baseball history, and I write about this, I actually tell a little story at the beginning that uh, that I can share with you here, uh, even though you got the book and you can read it yourself. Um, my mother was a huge influence on me uh, as a baseball fan. And my mother does not like baseball at all. Not even a little bit. I mean, she really, she hates baseball. And, and I've, I've said, and I believe this to be true, that my mother has never seen an inning of baseball. And I don't, I don't mean, I mean cumulatively, she has never seen an inning. She has not seen three outs in a base of baseball in her entire life. Um, but when I was a kid, uh, my mother um, helped me collect baseball cards because my mother doesn't, doesn't like baseball, but she loves organizing. So, so she got into this whole notion of baseball cards and, and how 
you know, and she was really in, and she didn't understand any of it. She didn't know what it was, but she loved, the, you know, that they're numbered and that you can you can put them by team or by position. She didn't. I remember she she didn't know all the positions, so she would be like, on the card it used to say Des Hitter for designated hitter, and she's like, what is this Des Hitter? And I'd be like, it's a designated hitter, and she said, well, what is that? And I said, it's a person who doesn't play the field, they just hit, and she said, that's stupid. It's, <laughs> there you go, thank you, yeah. And, and that, it's, it's my mother's second most famous baseball statement, my mother's most famous baseball statement, which maybe you've read because I've, I've written it a few times. Uh, the very first game I ever covered was a high school game, uh, and I went to, uh, to the game and wrote it for the Charlotte Observer, the newspaper there, and it was my, I was very excited. I had already written a couple of football stories, but baseball, I loved baseball, and, and so it was my first baseball story, and my mother called me the next morning after it appeared in the paper, and she said, that was a very good story, which I, I took to mean a lot because my mother does not lie and if she hated it she would have told me that it was terrible she said it's a very good story but I have one question for you and I said what what is that and she said who are you to say if an out of a run is earned or unearned <laughs> which which she's right she's right so um, so, so, but my mother loved collecting, so she loved it, and she helped me with the baseball cards. And I think that, in my mind, I've always kind of combined baseball and organizing because of that. Right. And I mean, I think that's, that's how you do a book like this. It's like there's something in my mind that wants to organize the game a little bit. That's why I write about baseball, is it out of a chaotic childhood, the... Uh, Baseball was the organized thing that would make some sense of the universe to me. Uh, and baseball represents a, a small organized universe that you could kind of figure out. And that is its entire uh, gravitational pull. I mean, that, that is, to me, I mean, that, that, that is what pulled me into the game uh, more than everything else. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, by the way, I, I, I got a, a great uh, email from somebody today. Uh, I, won't, I won't say who it is. But it was an email basically saying, um, hey, I, I saw that you wrote a book that was counting down the 100 greatest players, and, uh, you know, that's fine. I, I think I really don't know. I mean, it seems to me like it's a pretty callous effort to, to write a bestseller. That's what he said. It's a pretty callous effort to write a bestseller, and I wrote back and I said, because nothing says bestseller more than a 900-page baseball book <laughs> that, that costs $40. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is how, that is, that is the number one way to do a bestseller. So, all right, I want to talk to you about a few of the players that are on this list because, you know, I think we, we shared, I mean, I, you know, of course, I used your list as a, as a guidepost in many ways, uh, as, well as, as well as a couple of others. Your list is a little bit, it's only, it's 20 years old. So I, you, I, 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 when are you updating that? I mean, let's go. The, uh, <laughs> I wasted the pandemic. That was one of the things I should have done during that <laughs> time I was locked in my room, but I was watching Netflix and I didn't, yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't get the book written, you know. Uh, but that is that is something that I do hope to do before I shake off this mortal coil. Wow. 
that got deeper than I wanted it to right there. Um, no, but that's true. That's, I mean, I, but so I, so I use that. And look, there are many players on this list that were not even, that, that hadn't even started playing when, right. when you wrote your list. And then there are a lot of players on this list, a surprising number, I thought, on this list um, who were sort of mid-career when you uh, did your list. So they weren't, they wouldn't have been like Derek Jeter or right. A-Rod or any of those guys were not, they weren't, they weren't, they hadn't played long enough to be right. on your list. Um, but... When you know, and I don't even know when the last time you would have looked at your list. But how much do you think your list would change? It would change immensely, both because of the things that have happened since then, and also because of the stuff that I just didn't know then. What would be like a couple of those things that you didn't know? The it's uh, uh, a good question. The uh, uh, well, we have much better evidence about comparing one Negro League player to another. That's that's one area. We have much better ratings, rankings of defense than we had. We have better ways of distinguishing. Uh, if you showed me a li my list, I could easily find somebody and say he shouldn't be that high. Uh, the uh, of distinguishing um, occupying space value from contributing to win value. We can we can just we can. So I overrated a lot of players who just had long careers who maybe. Uh, I probably, I don't know, I probably overrated Rusty Staub. I don't know. Uh, we all have. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think that's, well, I will say that one of the things, I, I mentioned that there were a couple of things that I really worked on on this formula with Tom. One of those was the, the question of peak value versus career value. And I, I told him that I really wanted this to be geared toward peak value, that I, I really believe that a player who is great up to a certain age and then average the rest of his career or below average but not that much below average goes to the Hall of Fame and a person who was greater than that person was up to that certain age but completely falls off at the end of his career doesn't go to the Hall of Fame and I don't like that. I, right. don't, I don't think you should be able to earn your way. I, the Hall of Fame is a questionable thing in many ways but I don't think you should be able to earn your way into the Hall of Fame by being okay for a lot of years. Right. right. You know? And there are there are a lot of a lot of players who have, but you, you you don't usually hang around for 20 years unless you're doing something. Well, that's right. Uh, no, so. but but I mean, for me, like an example is like Dale Murphy, who is not on this in in the hundred, uh, but is one of my all-time favorite players and somebody I'm actually doing an event with next week, and and. To me, if Dale Murphy had been almost anything after age 32, if he had been, you know, if he had put three or four even average years together, he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. But he didn't, and he just completely fell off, and he's not in the Hall of Fame, and I don't know that he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. And, I, and I'm not saying specifically him, but that kind of thing, I, I wanted this to be the best players. The, the players who at their peak were the best players. But at the same time, you can't put players who were really, really good for one or two years and then and then, uh, and then then not good at all. The Herb anymore. Score problem. Herb right. Score or Dwight Gooden or somebody like right. that. The, uh, Dwight Gooden's career is quite a bit better than Herb Score's, but yeah. The, uh, well, Herb, and, and you bring up Herb Score, do you, I assume most of you know the story of Herb Score. Herb Score was this great pitcher for, for Cleveland. 
young pitcher for Cleveland in the 50s uh, who uh, got hit in the face with a line drive, hit by Gil McDougald, and it didn't end his career, but it essentially derailed his career. And, uh, and yet, I mean, he was very, very good those first two years. Wasn't as good as Gooden was his, his, right. his years, but very, very good. And he was put on the uh, Maury Allen's, I guess, all-time 100, I think. I think it was Maury, yeah. One of them. I think it was, yeah, one of them put him on the all-time 100 just because of what he could have been. And I didn't want to do that. I right. didn't want to. I didn't want to put what they could have been. Otherwise, I'd have put Juan Soto on my list. Right. Well, w otherwise you can't have a list because there, there are so many guys. For everybody who makes the Hall of Fame, there are. This is, I've, I've tried to figure it out. Uh, for everybody who makes the Hall of Fame, there are about ten players who could be in the Hall of Fame if everything had broken right for them. And a lot of those are players that you uh, you just never think of as being at Hall of Fame level, but you go back and reconstruct where they were at each point of their career and if everything and that's not just guys like Tony Canigliaro who was an, another famous tragedy in baseball but but um, uh, Hal McRae uh, I mean there's no question that if things that, if just a few things had broken right for Hal McRae he would be in the Hall of Fame and let me point out to you that you know he had well over 2,000 hits in his career and he drove in 133 runs when he was, what, 37 years old. So there's a pretty good, his career 300 hitter, I think. Um, and he had a devastating uh, leg injury when he was in the minor leagues that took a year and a half out of his career and also took his speed. Were it not for those things, he would have been the center fielder on the big red machine. And he would have had uh, a couple more years of, outstanding performance at least and there's no doubt he would be in the Hall of Fame there are actually lots and lots of stories like that yeah and and also lots of stories where in context that you know if, if they had played their career at Fenway Park if they had right. been Red Sox then they'd be in the Hall of Fame I mean Fred Lynn don't be putting down the Red Sox now what's that don't be putting down the Red Sox well, if Fred Lynn had stayed at Fenway Park in Boston he might be in the Hall of Fame right now but he didn't all right <laughs> Um, there you go. But he, that's what I should have called the book, but he didn't, and then just gone there. <laughs> you know what? We've got time for some questions, and I, and I think that would be a lot of fun. I was going to bring up some players, but maybe you guys have players you want to talk about. So, yeah, raise your hand. I'll, I'll start. And uh, if you stand up when you answer, since you're talking through a mask, maybe we'll do our best. Yeah. Yes, Devin Williams News, yes. Yeah, I will repeat the question. We're, we're, I think we're in the middle of it. Yep, I'm sorry? That's right. Okay, so great, great question. The question was, Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers uh, punched a wall uh, in celebration and broke his hand and is out for the season. Uh, he was also drunk. Uh, he says, I assume he's right. But, um, but the question is, what are the dumbest... Uh, baseball injuries. The, uh, you know who else did that? Same thing. Al Kaline did that. Al Kaline. Uh, he wasn't was, drunk. No, he wasn't drunk, but he was in the dugout. And something, it was, uh, uh, you know, Kaline was the most easygoing, low key, low blood pressure guy in the world, but something really got to him. He turned around, punched a wall in the dugout, and was out for six weeks. The, uh, uh, who, who was the guy, who was the guy who, uh, who lost a whole year? After 
the, the home run celebration. He hit a home run and he came. Morales, which went, which, there's a lot of morale. Oh, Kendrys, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's that. a, it was a good injury. Right. Who, who lost the fight to the, with the fan? I mean, the actual electric fan. I don't mean a fan. Oh. It was electric fan. I good think. question. John I Tudor know. was, I think it was John Tudor. It was John Tudor. Lost a fight yeah. with an electric fan. Uh, yeah, there have been a lot of really stupid injuries. All injuries are stupid, though, really, if you think about it. All right, what else we got? Um, yeah, we're here. Good question. The question was, which player does it hurt my heart the most not to include? So I can tell you this, the last 10 on this list, so 91 through 100, there were 40 players that I had for that final 10. And, and I was, you know, really dying. There were some I knew were gonna be in the 10. And I just kind of put them in, and then I had like four slots left, and I'm like, oh, you know, and then I had a couple more. Um, so the player I've 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 said that the number 101 player is a guy named Turkey Stearns, who was a great Negro Leagues player. Uh, they called him Turkey because of the way he ran. Uh, he ran like a turkey. And um, by the way, did you see how I did that? I I told you that he, he was called the name Turkey because of the way he ran, and then I told you because he ran like a turkey. I had to I like had to add like. And, uh, and he also carried, he had a lot of bats. He had a lot of different bats that he would carry around in, in like uh, guitar cases or violin cases. And he would talk to the bats. Uh, so he would be like, he would, after a game, he would, he would uh, use his lighter bat and he would hit a, uh, a warning track fly ball. And then after the game, he'd yell at that bat for being too light. And then he'd say to the, to the heavier bat, like I should have used you, and, and which I love, I love all of that. Great, but he was a great, great player, one of the all-time great hitters, I believe, was in your hundred. Uh, I think so. I think so, Turkey Stearns. Um, there are other, of course, for everybody here, will know how much it hurt my heart not to put Zach Greinke on this list. Uh, he, he, he just, 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 just missed. And, uh, and, uh, and, and by the way, this was a year ago that I wrote it. If I wrote it again now, he might very well be on it because maybe he's added uh, some value. Um, it really hurt my heart not to put Joey Votto on this list, uh, the Cincinnati Reds great player, but that's largely because Joey Votto has yelled at me for not putting him on this list. <laughs> and, and I feel I don't want to get yelled at by Joey Votto, so, so when, when the version two comes out, he'll uh, definitely be on here. So there you go. All right, let's see. Let's try something in the back here, okay? Uh, Mr. Sir, yeah, yeah. I could say I heard all of that. I, I heard like mixed words. Maybe you take the mask down while you while you talk. Maybe. Yeah, I got you. Thank you. Yeah, the great, it's a great question. Question is how I go about writing about players individually and for this. So many of you will know that this actually started off as a uh, series uh, in the Athletic where I used to work. And it was, the idea was I was going to write 100 essays in 100 days. That was the idea. And it was a dumb idea, thank you. Um, 
the idea was basically, because many of you might know this, I have, I've, I, this is not the first time I've tried to do the Baseball 100. I used to, on my blog, I tried to do a Baseball 100 years ago, and I got to number 30, and I stopped because it was completely eating me out of house and home. It was just basically all I had time to do, and I had like a job, and I mean, it was just, it was, it was overwhelming, and I stopped at 30, and I had some people yell at me for stopping at 30, but then I was like, you got this for free, be quiet. So, um, and then I started it again, and, and, uh, and again, stopped in the middle, so when I got to this list, I'm like, I'm doing this in 100 days, so I know I can get to the finish line. I'm just absolutely going to get there, and that was intense to do that, do it that way, but it was, it was really, I, I developed a system. I mean, you can always develop a system when you work like 18 hours a day or whatever, but I developed a system where I would wake up in the morning and I would finish, I would sort of, not finish, I would sort of final edit the, the player that I had written the day before. And then I would write whoever the next player was, um, and then, and that would take a few hours. And then at the end of that, I would spend the rest of the day into the evening, into basically nighttime when, when I'm going to bed, um, researching my next player. So it was, it was a three-step, when it was working right, it was a three-step process. I would finish the, the essay of the one that, uh, that I'd written the day before, I would write the new essay, and then I would research the final essay, uh, taking about uh, seven or eight hours for each of those things, I guess. Um, and, uh, and that was the process. And, and, you know, when it came to, okay, it's time to research a player, I would, I would try to do, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to be a little bit of a fast reader, so I, if they had a book, I would try to at least skim or read through the book that they had. Uh, I would uh, go to newspaper accounts and, and try to find things. I would go to magazine accounts, Sports Illustrated, and, and try to read up on it. I would read Bill's. Um, you know, thoughts about the player in, in one of his, his uh, in one of his books, because I had, you know, would have all of them sort of lined up. Uh, there were other people that I would, would lean on for this kind of thing. So, very, very intense, intensive research, and then, and then sleep on it, and then wake up the next day and write the story. So, that was sort of how I did it. But, if I could jump in, that, that reflects your, your unusual confidence as a writer, because the rest of us uh, would sit there and look at it for four hours trying to find the first first line of the of the where do I come at this where where do I how do I run at this particular player's story uh, almost every I, I know hundreds of writers and you're there I don't think I know anybody else who has as clean and and uh, walks up to the plate with the same the same jaunty air. It's sort of like, you ever saw Gary Sheffield go to the plate? It was like, that pitcher better not try to get me out, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, I also yeah. wave the bat when I'm writing. I actually <laughs> do, I do it just like Gary Sheffield. No, no thank, thank you for saying that. I mean, I think part of it is I put a lot of pressure on myself by saying I'm going to do one every day for 100 days, so there's no time to, to sit there and think about it or, or really play around and, 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 and you know, wait uh, because it's got to be done. And, and I, I, I think I work at my best when I've got to go. I've got to write. So I don't know if that's a great answer, but that's what I got.
Uh, yeah, way over here. Yeah, I mean, I, if I, tell me if I got this right when I sum this up. I think your, your question is, players like Sandy Koufax and Kirby Puckett, who had very short careers uh, but are in the Hall of Fame, what sort of separates them from some other players who had short careers uh, and are not in the Hall of Fame but were had equally great? Like an Andrew Jones or, or, or Dale Murphy who mentioned and the guys like that. Um, Bill? <laughs> the, uh, I am not an Andrew Jones for the Hall of Fame person. And the reason I am not is I don't find the defensive evidence that convincing. I mean, I, he's, he's nowhere near a Hall of Famer based on his batting record. Um, I am bothered by the, I'm sure, pure coincidence that the year after they banned steroids, he lost 38 home runs. Uh, and the, uh, but I just don't find the, uh, I, I'm just not convinced that he was as great as the people who rely on defensive statistics to reach their conclusions try to tell us that he was. So I, I'm not there with him. The, uh, um, about Sandy Koufax, people who are under 60 really have no idea who Sandy Koufax was. And they, they will write things like, he was great, but his peak was very short, which is true. But he was greater during that period when he, he was peak was when he was at his peak than anybody has been since or anybody was for before that since Walter Johnson. There just isn't anybody else who would go out and go 26 and eight with a 2.04 ERA, and it's just another year. You know, the, there is nobody, there's nobody else who reached that level of greatness even for a short period of time. And also, he has. Uh, he had more impact on pennant races than anybody did, and he also uh, he's the only pitcher in baseball history who you could give him two wins, two runs, and he was going to win the game because he was just better than everybody. Yeah, no, I, and, and I'll just add to that. Um, Andrew Jones, by the way, for for those of you that, that might not know, Andrew Jones, um, there are defensive statistics that show him to be the greatest center fielder of all time greater than Willie Mays and greater than, than any, any number of players that you can mention. And, and Bill has, has said and written that he just doesn't find that convincing. And, and he saw Andrew Jones play. Of course, Andrew Jones won a lot of gold gloves. He was certainly a, a great defensive center fielder. But Bill is not convinced um, that he was at that level. And, and therefore, people who make that argument don't convince Bill. There you go. So that's how that goes. Koufax, the interesting thing about Koufax is it was a very short peak. It's really 63 to 66, 62, I guess, some as well. But it's really about a three or four, you know, he was hurt one of those years. It's a four-year, five-year peak. But those were 300-plus inning peaks, right? I mean, it wasn't, it's not like, you know, people say, well, and, and I'm a, I love uh, Johan Santana. We all saw him here in Kansas City a lot. He was dominant for the Twins. And they're like, well, his peak was just as good as Sandy Koufax's. It's like, well, it's just as good as Sandy Koufax's except two-thirds of it, right? Because right. it, it's right. 200 innings instead of 335 innings or right. whatever. You know, so, so I think it's, it's important to look at those guys in context. The, the one that you mentioned that's super interesting to me is Kirby Puckett. And, and Kirby Puckett had, he did have a short career that ended, um, you know, with an eye injury. 
and and he went into the Hall of Fame in his first ballot, and and you know, but Kirby Puckett was a beloved figure until later when we found out he wasn't the best guy in the world. Uh, but as a player, he was this beloved character. He was he was joyful to watch. He was he was a great defensive player who made amazing catches in the World Series and and in playoffs and and uh, and had a million hits. Would have had three thousand hits that he stayed healthy and all that. And there are those that say, well. How could Kirby Puckett be in the Hall of Fame and not say Don Mattingly, who had like similar types of things? And it's just, it's it's one of those things I think that that Bill talks about, which is you can't their their stats might look similar and their careers might look similar, but there's nothing similar about Don Mattingly and Kirby Puckett, right? They're just very very different players, and if you watch them both play, you would not confuse them. Um, at any point, so so I think it's I think each player is. Then I don't know that Kirby Puckett belongs in the Hall of Fame. I, I I think it's pretty questionable, but I don't know that you can use Kirby Puckett to to put somebody else in the Hall of Fame. If that makes sense. I have a question. Why isn't Whit Merrifield on your list? <laughs> That's just Bill playing to the crowd. <laughs> Look at that. I wrote there. I hope you saw it in the Star. I did write. There are 13 players on this list with Kansas City connections. 13. It's impressive, right? That is. That's it. That's more than 10% right, right there. It is, yes. Whit Merrifield's a great player, by the way. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, that is that is absolutely true. Whit Merrifield is, is a wonderful player. Oh, to yeah. Watch. I mentioned because you said Kirby was joyful to watch. And Whit so, Merrifield, yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking, who on the on the who now is just a lot of fun to watch? Well, Salvi is, Salvi is tremendous fun to watch, yeah. But the, in, uh, a, in a totally different way. Right. But Merrifield but is... faster than Salvi. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I just, in case, in case you, yeah, you know, you're, you've sort of like, you I don't know a, that I trust my confidence and my, my baseball knowledge. You put them in a foot phrase, Salvi would go, yeah. and <laughs> Whit would be 20 feet behind him. Salvi is having one of the greatest seasons a catcher has ever had. It's right. amazing. That's right. Just amazing. Are you playing to the crowd now? Oh yeah, but that's but that's easy because it's true. Like I, I didn't bring up Whit Merrifield. All right, what else? What, what else we got? How about uh, right here? Ranking umpires, yes. Joe West is number one. <laughs> Who are, like, like the most, is Jack O'Conlon the most, who's the most famous, oh, Bill Clem, maybe. Yeah, Babe Pinelli, and, uh, what's that? Oh, Don Denkinger. Yeah, the, uh, Denkinger here in town, pretty popular. The, uh, no, you know what, I mean, look, my, uh, one of my best friends before we lost him was Steve Palermo, and Steve was a great umpire. I mean, truly a great ball and strike umpire. I mean, again, we don't know because we we didn't have the the same uh, the same information that we have now. Uh, but there wasn't a player uh, that you would talk to from that time who wouldn't tell you what a great ball strike umpire he was. The, uh, but I don't know if this answers your question. But uh, uh, in the 1990s, I wrote a book, which is actually one of my favorite books I've ever written. It, it's it's one of the few books I've ever written. I go back and will re reread from sometimes about baseball managers. It didn't do well. Uh, the, I bought it. Uh, thanks. Uh, the, uh, uh, I'll buy some of your books. There you go. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, but I, I was meeting with an old college friend after that, and I told him about the book, and he said derisively, 
what's next? A book about umpires? So, and you, and you thought <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I gave him the idea. Uh, let's go over all the way over here. Oh, which was the best essay in the book? Okay, that's a good question. Um, looking back at it. All right, so let me tell you, I actually have an answer for this because you're not supposed to. Like most of the time you're supposed to say, no, they're like my children. I love them all equally. But I don't. Or, or my children. But um, no, that's, no, no. Um, the Carlton Fisk essay. Now, is it my favorite essay in the book? I don't know. But it is the essay in the book that gave me the real sense of what this book means. Uh, so I'm writing this book and I'm writing about all these great players and it's going great and I go to Carlton Fisk and like what am I going to write about with Carlton Fisk and you know there's so much to choose from you can obviously write about the home run he hit in, in the 75 World Series you can write about him as a leader you can write about him as this uh, the longevity of him and so on and I found something that wrote about the relationship he had with his father and I can't remember what it was but it was very interesting. And fathers and sons are very much a part of this book. They, they're, they're in numerous essays, and including uh, one that uh, many of you might be uh, interested in, uh, George Bretz. So um, the story of his father and, and, and son is, is it's, you know, it's, it's in some ways um, familiar, but it's, but it's not. He, it, it's not like his father was this driving, Jack Brett type of father who just forced him to play ball and 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 uh, and was nasty to him all the time. His father was just a very tough guy who was impossible to please. Uh, he that was just his personality. They were New Englanders. He had that sort of New England stoic nature. And and his his father just there was never a sense that he was good enough. For his father, he never felt like that, and so no matter what he would do in the in the uh, in in the major leagues, he he just never felt like his father was ever impressed with what he did, or was ever like overwhelmed with what he did. And there was a pretty famous story about his father coming to the Red Sox uh, clubhouse one year when when he was young, uh, and Carl Ustremski or somebody saying to him, "Oh, you must be." Uh, uh, Carlton Fisk's dad and he said no Carlton is my son right and so that was the idea and when he went to the Hall of Fame he he gave this very emotional speech and at the end of the emotional speech he spoke directly to his father and he told his father you know we've, we've been through some tough times and you could just sense that that he was tearing up and he said but at least today for one day, you're Carlton Fisk's dad. <laughs> and I thought, ah, that's my essay right there. And that's what this book is about. Like, that was the one that made me sort of get this idea that this book is, of course, it's going to be, I've done, as you might imagine, you know, already a million talk radio shows. I'm sure I'll do a million more where everybody wants to yell at me for putting Willie Mays over Babe Ruth or, or, or for ranking Koufax too low or for ranking uh, Burp Lylevin too high or whatever it is. But, and that's fine. And I'm happy to do that all day because it's, you know, you don't put out a list of 
the 100 greatest players and then say, no, I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's the stories of this book. And this book is to me what, it's why I love baseball. That's everything I, I know about why I love baseball is in this book. And that was what I wanted to do. And that's what that Carlton Fisk essay kind of taught me. So there you go. Um, let's go, I think I, there was one over here that I actually meant to call on before. Yeah, you right there. Actually, over here, I was, I, we'll come, you, you're next. Over here, the blue, yeah. There you go, yep. Yeah, it's you. So you're, you're asking, and, and just again, I'm sorry, I'm only picking up some of it. You're asking about leadership, how much you consider leadership for these kinds of lists? All right, Bill. The, uh, we tend to hang on things that we can measure and it's very hard to measure leadership contributions and it's impossible to win a pennant without them. Uh, the, uh, I, I worked with the Red Sox for 18 years and people would ask, do you guys ever worry about the clubhouse effects? You worry about the clubhouse 10 times more than you worry about the skills because you know what the player's skills are but you don't know who you're signing as a free agent until you get him into the clubhouse. And if it's the wrong guy, you got a real problem. Uh, so it's, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that we can't, when I'm doing ranking, I can't give it more weight than I, than I uh, you can't give a lot of weight to something that's, it could, what the writers wrote about it could have been all BS. Just newspaper guys, you know. Um, and uh, so you can't give it the weight that it really occupies in real life. Um, I put a lot into it, <laughs> though, the, the, not to, not to, to discount what Bill is saying because he's 100% right. I have tried to think a lot about this, and this is something that I, it's weird that we would ever lose sight of this, but I try to think a lot about how much did that player help that team win? And I don't mean wins above replacement, which is obviously you know part of the the, the, the information. But there are players that, and, and I'm not I'm not even talking about some of the intangibles that you hear people talk about or whatever. But Bill knows this, you know, and, and Bill and I have talked about this since he from before he was with the Red Sox and then when he was with the Red Sox and how much that appreciation grew. There are players that make a gigantic difference just with their presence. It really is true. And it's not necessarily like the, the you know, things that you would see in the movies or whatever. But I, I'll, I remember, here's a Royals uh, one for you. Aaron Guile. You guys remember Aaron Guile when he was with the Royals? Aaron Guile ends up going to the Yankees and hits, you know, has a two or three or four week span where he was basically impossible to get out. And I was there and I interviewed him and I said, what's, what, what's going on? What's the difference here? And he said, it's night and day. You wouldn't believe the difference. And he said, and he pointed at Derek Jeter and said, that guy makes everything better. That guy. And it's like, 
when I got here, the first thing that happened was Derek Jeter came over to me and introduced himself and said, welcome to the club, and, and you know, we're counting on you to be successful, and we're going to do everything we can do to help you, and he was always there. If you need anything, you just come to me, and then, and then every time, you know, the, the Yankees lost, there was Derek Jeter out front taking, fielding the questions so other people didn't have to field them. That kind of stuff, you can't measure it. Maybe you can eventually. I think, I think you do believe that at some point we're going to be able to come up with ways. We'll be, we'll be able to measure some of it eventually. Some of it, yeah. Right. But it's really, really important. Now, how much can you put into that? I mean, one, one you know, sort of fear I would always have is overrating that, you know? Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not as worried about underrating it, I guess, maybe. But I wouldn't want, like, to say, okay, well, this guy's – Leadership is so great that you know. Bill, Bill tells a story that she, I'm sure, has forgotten um, <laughs> about the 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 uh, Texas was playing Kansas in football, and uh, and we all know how that ended. Uh, but <laughs> but Kansas got off to a really hot start in the game and went up like 14 nothing or 21 nothing or something. And I could be getting some of the details wrong, but it was something like that. And the announcer said, well, you know what happened? Texas's plane was late. They, they, they took off late. They had some plane problems. And these guys, you know, they got off the plane, and, and you know, they're, they're still trying to get their feet under them. And, and Bill marveled at how you could make up such nonsense right on the spot. Like, they had no idea that that was the reason, no clue. And, and that, is, that is a danger. So I think it's dangerous. Uh, when you're putting a list together like this to go, yeah, this guy is, you know, not nearly as good as this guy from the numbers, but the leadership more than makes up the difference. I, I don't think that's the case. But I do think, I did think a lot about uh, which of these players you wanted on your team and which of these players I think help you win a little bit more. So there you go. And, and then I know there was a question back there. We probably have time for like a, a couple more. What? Two more questions. All right, so you're those... Please. That's, that's very yeah, kind of you to yeah. say. Thank Please. you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, very nice. And true, all true. All right, you know what? One more question. How about that? Uh, I, I don't know if that was uh, satisfying enough. Yes. Ah, there we go. That's the perfect final answer. The question is, why is there not a table of contents in this book? Believe it or not, we forgot. No, believe it or not. <laughs> no, it was purposeful. It was purposeful to not put a table of contents in this book because my feeling was by putting a table of contents in this book, I was giving too much emphasis on the rankings. And you were going to look at it and like, okay, where, wait a minute, hold on, let me find out where this guy is. My feeling is, if you want to yell at me for putting uh, Tom Seaver at 41, find him first. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you're more than welcome to yell because you've done the work, you know, to do that. There is an index in this book. Uh, so, so if you, you know, it, 
depends how committed you are. But there is, there is an index in this book. It really is. The idea for me really was I want people to read it. And, and I don't mean read it from front to back. Of course, if you want to do that, I'd love if you did that. But also, I think it's the kind of book you just open up and just go, okay, where am I? Oh, number 37. Okay, there's, there's Pedro Martinez. I, I just want, I want that to be the experience. I, I don't think it's so much... Um, I don't want the experience necessarily to be one that you just look in the front and go, okay, my favorite player is this person, I turn to this page. I just wanted it to be a little bit more than that. Does that make sense? Is that, is that fair? Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, I, 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 this isn't relevant, but there are two things I have to sneak in before this nice lady runs us off the stage. Uh, one is that I, I had a, an uncle named Uncle Turk for, the, for a very different reason than Turkey Stearns. Uh, he, he was a... Uh, when he was about four years old, there was, you know, a big turkey is mean. And this turkey was just running him all over the yard. And his dad told him to pick up a baseball bat and, and you know, run that turkey off. And so they had to eat the turkey the next day. And <laughs> he was called Turk for the rest of his life. And uh, the other thing I, want, I wanted to say. I'm so glad you got that in, Bill. I mean, really, that's, <laughs> we, we did have to get that in before we went. The, uh, uh, on the leadership question, uh, I, David Ortiz was a fantastic team leader, as was Jason Veritek. Uh, but David is always in a good mood. And we had another guy on the team who was as great a hitter as David. And it was a constant fight to keep stuff, stuff out of the newspaper, you know. Uh, and the, uh, uh, but David, every story that came out about him was always a good story. He was always being helpful and never, like, talking about, he was, you know, I don't, we don't, no baseball team objects to the players trying to get as much money as they can. It's just part of the deal. But, you know, David was never in the newspaper demanding a, a raise in midseason. He was just, he was always supportive and helpful in providing leadership. Yeah, and, and beloved. Right. Utterly beloved by, by everybody. Uh, David Ortiz is not in this book, but, um, but I wish he was. I wish he was. So, I, so now I've got to decide what my next book is. Some of you may know I'm actually counting down the 101 greatest football players uh, on my, on my uh, uh, newsletter, uh, JoePoznanski.com, and uh, that's a very different project. I got to tell you, that's much different. People keep asking me, like, well, wh how do you compare pitchers and hitters, you know, because obviously they do so many different things, and I'm like, that's nothing. Try to compare left tackles and free safeties and quarterbacks, you know, in, in football. So that's very different. But the other idea that I had was to do the 100 greatest baseball characters uh, ever. And, uh, and some of the people in here would, might be on that list, but, but most would not. It would be a completely different kind of list. The problem is, would people, like, argue about that? Like, see, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, part of the fun of this is that there is an argument element, but I don't think anybody would be like, Mark Fidrich, 57? Like, no. Like, that doesn't... No. So, so I'm still working on the idea. Thank you all for coming. <laughs> <laughs>